Hello, listeners. This is Andrew. And Rachel. And this is Lore Podcast. That's not it. <laughs> Dang it. What is it? Armchair Apocrypha. Armchair Apocrypha. Uh, this is the podcast where armchair experts tell possibly true, possibly fake stories. <laughs> um, the only rule is that you can't talk about anything that you studied. So I was an English major. I can't talk about literature. Rachel was a communications major. Can't talk about communicating, et cetera, et cetera. Can you, can you communicate at all? Nope. I'm nope. just going to do this all through <laughs> mind. Everyone just read my mind. Through uh, what's it, interpretive dance? Yeah. Sounds good. You don't want to see my interpretive <laughs> dance. <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> so uh, this is going to come out the weekend after Halloween. Um, I so, thought about doing something Halloween-y, and then I thought, no, because it's going to come out after Halloween, and we're right. already over that. <laughs> it was already, people were already on to the next holiday, so I decided to go away from Halloween. Yeah. Although I'm almost kind of regretting that decision right now. Next it. Halloween. Next, next Halloween. Halloween. We'll have a special next Halloween. Yeah. We'll be better prepared. Yeah. Um, I was originally going to do the Battle of Cable Street. Um, I'm reading Mark Bray's Antifa, the anti-fascist handbook, and it does Ooh. a history of anti-fascist actions um, from the 1920s up until today. Oh, cool. um, and one of the events that he talks about is the Battle of Cable Street. And he probably spends like two pages on it. Um, so I really want to do some research and uh, bring that up next time. But for this week... I thought that's what it's going to be about. <laughs> <laughs> for this week, I'm going to do something a little bit more Halloween-y. Um, oh, yes. At least some of it. The Jersey Devil or the Leeds Devil. Have you heard of it? No. No? It goes by either way? Uh, yeah. So the original name was the Leeds Devil because the uh, the family name was Leeds. Okay. Um, but it's actually in the Pine Barrens of southern New Jersey. Um, and the only reason that I thought of it, because I usually don't think about the Jersey Devil at all, <laughs> um, was because of the, uh, the movie um, The Last Broadcast, which I watched as part of my Halloween month-long movie <laughs> marathon. Um, the Last Broadcast? The Last Broadcast. It was a precursor to, uh, uh, what's the one where they're in the woods? The Blair, the Blair Witch, Witch Project. Project? Yes. Oh. It was like a prequel? No, it was, uh, it's kind of like a documentary style, um, and it came out before the, uh, the Blair Witch Project. Oh, okay. And so a lot of people kind of see it as like a, a precursor. Oh, okay. Even though, um... I don't, I'm not sure the people who made the Blair Witch Project ever saw it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the film revolves around this uh, this myth of the Jersey Devil, um, which is a kangaroo-like creature with the head of a goat, leathery bat-like wings, horns, small arms with clawed hands, cloven hooves, and a forked tail. That's a very <laughs> scary-looking creature. <laughs> That's absolutely terrifying. Right? Um, and so uh, the original um, folklore goes that uh, the mother leads, uh, I think her name is Deborah Leeds. Um, she had had 12 children. Oh my God. Birth control is great, guys. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine giving birth to 12. Were right. any of them twins? No. <laughs> um, they were Quakers, so it, mm. it, it was part of their religion. But. Um, According to folklore, she had 12 children, and she cursed her uh, unborn 13th child because... It was the 13th one. It was the 13th one, um, 
And then uh, on the night that it was born, it was born as a normal human child. But then as they were standing over it, it morphed into this creature that... Uh, the head of a goat? Yes, the head of a goat, the bat-like wings, the cloven hooves, and the forked tail. Um, and it killed the midwife and then ran into the woods. Oh um, and there are variations on this. Uh, if you, um, when if you was this? Them. This was the eight, uh, no, late 1800s. Okay. No, 1860s, I think. Um, and uh, so there are variations on this um, this urban legend where she was a witch and had consorted with the devil, and that's why she gave birth to the de- uh, Jersey Devil. Um, or uh, maybe that she had been cursed, things like that. Yeah. Lots of different variations on the story. Um, but the end result is this creature who lives in the Jersey uh, Pine Barrens in southern New Jersey, and it's still being cited today. Uh, there were recorded hoaxes uh, in the early 1900s, uh, 1908. Um, there were recorded hoaxes where people would uh, put, like... Uh, cloven footprints in the sand so that people would find them um, or they would like get a kangaroo and <laughs> claim that it was the Jersey Devil things <laughs> like that anything to make a buck um, and uh, there's actually a theory from a guy um, named Regal which you can read about on Wikipedia um, he believes that uh, the Leeds family owned a um, well historically the Leeds family owned an almanac that was uh, in competition with uh, poor, the Poor Richard's Almanac. Um, and so on this almanac, they had a picture of their family seal, which uh, the picture contained a wyvern, which for those of you that don't know is a mythological dragon-type creature mm-hmm. that only has two legs. Um, and so a lot of people think that maybe uh, the image of the Leeds Devil comes from this family seal that was on their oh. And who did uh, who did Poor Richard's Almanac? Mm. <laughs> Jefferson. Come on, history person. <laughs> it's not coming to me. Jefferson. Um, oh yeah. Supposedly Jefferson, uh, because he was in competition with these uh, this family, is thought to have like spread rumors about how they were evil and. Uh, he didn't believe in like astrology, which they used. He's talking to you. I know. He didn't believe in astrology, which they used in their almanac, and so at one point he like predicted uh, Titan Leeds' death uh, based on the sun cycles and things like that. And so it was uh, really nasty, really, um, really. Uh, what's a good word for it? Um, malicious. I like that word. Malicious relationship. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people think that, um, or not a lot of people, this uh, this um, researcher, Regal, he believes that maybe this image of the wyvern on the front of their uh, almanac combined with the rumors started by Poor Richard, the original Poor Richard, um, possibly that's why the family was given this role within this urban legend. Um they also, the family also um, feuded with the Quakers a lot, mm-hmm. and so they would have been excommunicated by the Quakers and another malicious relationship, and so it might have been um, 
but they were just not a very well-liked family. (laughs) (laughs) That's very plausible. (laughs) Um, And so people just attributed this malicious folklore to them. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, So what is your story for this week? Okay. Doesn't have anything to do with Halloween. (laughs) That's okay. I wanted to do something with astronomy, because I love astronomy. Um, And then I was researching all this stuff about black holes, because I find them very fascinating. But then I got into kind of a black hole myself, and I just, like, couldn't find a way to come up with anything to make it sound fun, Mm -hmm. but maybe one day I'll try and, like, do black holes, so I'm not doing that. So I decided to just focus on an astronomist. And, like, I was thinking about lesser-known astronomers, so, of course, I looked up female astronomers because they're always forgotten about, so I decided to choose a woman. (laughs) And the person I went with is Caroline Herschel. Don't know if you've ever heard of her. I've never heard of her. It's all right. Neither had I before I started (laughs) this research. She was born March 16th, 1750 in Hanover, Germany. Yeah. Uh, She was the fifth of six children who, like, survived more than a few years. So birth control. The baby in the family. Um, when Carolyn was 10, she got typhus, and it severely stunted her growth. She was only four foot three inches. She was... Tiny. Tiny, yes. Um, also, her left eye was damaged due to typhus, so she had a lot of vision problems. Mm-hmm. Um, her family, particularly her mother, thought she would never marry and become, like, an old maid due to her being so unappealing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Her disfigurement. Because that's what a lady's good for is marriage back then. Um, so Carolyn's mother decided that she should train to become a house servant because that's the only thing that she would be good for. I know, I know. I <laughs> see you rolling your eyes. Um, but some time passes. I don't really know how much time passes, but basically one of her brothers, his name was William, mm-hmm. and he devised, a, it, this is how the article states it, I love it. He devised a scheme to liberate his sister from her Hanoverian servitude, which I thought was pretty cool. So this guy basically saves her life, and you'll discover that. So this is William Herschel. Does that name ring a bell to you? No. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> he's, a, he's also an astronomist, and we'll okay. get to that. So basically, William was living in England for a couple of years. He was a musician who um, played instruments and sang for churches, because I guess that's where all the concerts were back in the day. Um... He proposed that Caroline um, join him in Bath to see whether she could be trained as a singer and assist him with his concerts. So when, and apparently they said the mother reluctantly was like, fine, whatever, bring her back in a couple of years when she, you know, doesn't, um, when it fails and she needs to come and be a servant or whatever. Uh, but while in England, um, her brother educated her because she wasn't really being educated. She was... Um, given two or three singing lessons every day, and she was learning English and arithmetic and some dancing lessons. And some dancing lessons. And soon she actually began singing five nights a week as a lead soprano. And actually, could have had a really good career as a singer if it weren't for her brother William, <laughs> because um, William had kind of lost his interest in singing and was growing more passionate with his astronomy. And when you're an astronomer, apparently, you need someone to write down your findings. <laughs> And so he kind of asked Carolyn to do it, and she was basically like, I can't say no, this is what I've literally been taught my whole life, was to say yes to people. Um, 
But what's really cool is that he even built Caroline his own telescope. Nice. Um, or he like he built telescopes and he also built one for her as well. And so her job was to polish these telescopes, copy records of his findings, and actually helped him with the calculations. So she knew how to do calculations and everything. So in 1781, William Herschel made the biggest discovery of his life. He discovered the planet Uranus. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he actually thought that Uranus was a comet, but after discovering that it orbits, found that it was probably a planet and talked with other people and like, yeah, this is a planet. So that was kind of cool. Um, this is the first planet and now I'm going to get a little more fun facts about planets because I also find them very fascinating too. Um, this is the first planet that was discovered that cannot be seen with the naked eye. And it's the first one that isn't named after a Roman god. Um, and so, of course, like, of all the planets, the name Uranus, like, <laughs> er, that's one that gets made of so much. So I had to look up how did it get the name Uranus. No. Well, um, William did name the planet um, Gregorian, or it, I think he is called Gregorian Star, not Georgian Star, but it's supposed to be named after King George the Third. Right. However, everyone outside of England hated that name because um, no one really likes England. Because and, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so everyone else called it Herschel okay. until they found an answer, and apparently, an astronomer named it after an astronomer named Johann Bo named it after the ancient Greek god of the sky, Uranus. I think we should go back to calling it Herschel. I think so too. I like, I like playing it Herschel. Yeah. I like um, the name Herschel. And then everyone just called it Hershey or something. So <laughs> I won't remember it's Herschel. Um, Apparently, he said that Saturn was the father of Jupiter. The new planet should be named for the father of Saturn. Mm. Um, I don't know why he, like, switched to Greek, but whatever. Didn't really answer that. Um, William does credit Caroline for helping him with the discovery of Uranus. Like, he was... Always, like, gave her credit where credit was due. Um, So, during this time, though, Caroline was kind of torn between singing and astronomy. At first, she cared little for astronomy... Um, after a while, she became just as infatuated as her brother was. I'm pretty sure if you, like, kind of find something interesting and then you do it over and over, like, all day, every day, and then you get really into it. Yeah. So, I can see that. Getting into the zone. Getting into, yeah, exactly. She knew how to do the calculation. She knew what to look for. She probably was like, oh, I'm good at this, too. Yeah. Um, she chose to leasing it all together and join William and helping him studying astronomy. Um... Uh, so as I mentioned before, when William did discover Uranus, he of course became like an overnight sensation, and basically he was hired by King George III um, as a court astronomer and as a paid position. And eventually, it was a couple years later, not the same time. Caroline was paid by King George III as William's assistant, quote unquote, a total of fifty pounds a year. That is the equivalent to five thousand seven hundred pounds today. Wow. <laughs> So, I mean, not a living wage, but um, this actually, this is, I thought it was really cool. This actually made Caroline the f- the first woman in England with a government position. And the first woman ever recorded to be paid for her work in astronomy in 1787. She's getting that. I know. This little <laughs> four foot three lady is getting it. Um, and this was actually the first time Caroline ever received money on her own. So it was probably the first time she ever really felt independent. Um... Do, do, do. Sorry. 
<laughs> so basically, now that she has her own telescopes and is being paid and all this stuff, she is doing assisting her brother, but she does her own, like also um, does her own research. And basically, on February 26, 1783, Caroline made her first discovery, a nebula, which is basically a Latin word meaning cloud, and it's an the definition is, it's kind of hard to explain, an interstellar cloud of dust, hydrogen, helium, and other ionized gases. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the nickname Stellar Nurseries because that's where stars are born, usually. Yeah. Um, but if you go online and Google Nebula, it's so cool. They, it's like the most breathtaking sights you've ever seen. <laughs> they have vibrant colors, and it's just so neat to look at these images. However, I did see that they... Astronomers like add in the color just to show how big it is, but it's right. so pretty. You right. gotta see it. Um, and the fact that you're like looking at so much space in one image was really neat. Um, anyways, that same night, the same night she discovered her first nebula, she also discovered Messer 110, which is not a very cool name, but it was basically the dwarf galaxy that is next to the Andromeda galaxy that no one really knew about. Okay. I don't know. Two, two things in one night. <laughs> um, and then. On August 1st, 1786, she is credited as the first woman to discover a comet. However, there is a little caveat. Um, Apparently, there is a woman by the name of Maria Kirch who discovered a comet in the early 1700s, but she's forgotten about because the discovery was credited to her husband. Um, Apparently, the husband later said in life, actually, it was her that discovered it, and they think that no one like would believe her or something and all that stuff. Um, so she has a little asterisk for being like the first one to discover a comet. The quote unquote first. The quote unquote first, yeah. Um, but basically, I just thought this lady was kind of badass. It was really neat to learn about her life story, how basically that should be nothing. She ended up making all these discoveries for science. Yeah. In her lifetime, she discovered eight comets and 14 nebula. And this does not include all the nocturnal calculations as well as cataloging stars that she did to, like, um, record what's in the universe. Um, and then it doesn't really talk much about her life. When her brother passed away, she kind of moved back mm-hmm. and would still do a little bit of research, more cataloging and things like that than just um, looking at the stars. Right. Um, and she passed away peacefully in her sleep in 1848 at the freaking age of 97. Dang. So she lived a very long life. <laughs> Um, very long life. Uh, I don't ever want to be that old. That's pretty old. <laughs> and if she was 4'3", can you imagine, like, how tall she'd be, like, yeah. at 90? She'd be, like, 3'8". <laughs> <laughs> um, and then at the end, I just have a couple of fun facts about comets, because I like looking up about comets. Okay. Um, sometimes they're referred to as dirty snowballs, which I hate, or cosmic snowballs, which I think is a lot better. I like cosmic snowballs. Yeah. Um, they get they develop a halo when they move close to the sun. There are over three thousand currently known comets, but science scientists believe there can be up to one billion comets in our solar system alone, which doesn't surprise me too much. A great comet is one that is bright enough to be visible from Earth with the naked eye, and a great comet happens about every ten years. Okay. Uh, the last one was Comet Lovejoy in 2011, and I tried looking up to see when the most recent one was going to be, but right. I like could not find it. Um, but they do give on this one website, like, gave a list of all the 
last crate comets in yeah. the last couple hundred years, and there's like one in 2010, one in 2011, but then like the last one was 96, 97. It's right. like two at a time, and then like 10 or 20 years pass, but you know, one's on one side of the world, the other's on another side of the world. And I can't remember if they said Comet Lovejoy was, but I mean, maybe we'll be due for one soon. Maybe. In a couple of years, 2021-ish. If you're an astronomer or an astronomist... Uh, Let us know. Yeah, send us an email. Tell us <laughs> when the next great comet is going to be. Um, yeah. And we'll make, a, we'll make a special podcast for it. So that's Caroline Herschel. Nice. Um, I told Andrew this before, but I'm going to try and not do a person next time. <laughs> I'm going to do an event or a story that involves multiple people. Right. And it won't be about black holes. I need to still take another break from that. I was like, I got so deep into that thing. I literally almost fell into a black hole. It's going to be our longest podcast ever. Um, well, I wanted to make it so that it didn't sound like I was teaching a class. Right. And make sure I knew what I was saying. Right. But I'll get there eventually. <laughs> so. Cool. That was just fun learning about her. I thought she was really neat. Um, so, what do we have to plug for this week? <laughs> Our email. Our email. Um, uh, right now, my email is connected to the site. We should probably set up a Gmail for the podcast itself. But uh, you can reach me at Andrew, A N D R E W dot Massey, M A S S I E, at live.com. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Your Twitter. My Twitter, A W M Writes, A W M W R I T E S. Is it because you write? No, <laughs> totally I, different. I actually hate writing. Um, <laughs> Shut up. I'm not doing nano this this month at all. Um, <laughs> do you have a Twitter, or Instagram, or anything? I do, but it's private right now. Okay. I'll find a way to make it not private. Um, I don't even know the name. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> uh, what else? Website. Website. Very important. Um, it's a fun website. It is a very fun website. Uh, as nice as we can make it for free. <laughs> um, it's a absinthe, A-B-S-I-N-T-H-E, activism, arts.wordpress.com. Um, we've got pictures. We've got uh, a blog. We've got biographies. We've got the podcast. Um as always, my book is for sale, and we'll have links to my short stories, um, one of which is brand new, just went up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, read it. <laughs> go read it. <laughs> um, we don't have any kind of monetization or anything like that, so uh, no. just uh, enjoy everything for free. Yeah. Um, Twitter, uh, email, website. Is that all? That's good for me. All right. Um, Well, in that case, we'll let you guys go, and we hope to see you again next time. Yeah, signing off.